What can you do with your love of science? We'll tell you. back to the show for our love of science. My name is Fatu. And I'm Shakira. And today we're getting back into the research world, but at a pharmaceutical company. Yes, we are. And our guest star today is Dr. Joseph Iacona, who's going to tell us more about his career journey and share his love of science with us all. So Joey, welcome, welcome. And thank you for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me here. This is awesome. Yeah. So excited for our listeners. You know, this is like a big Rutgers reunion for us. So all three of us met at Rutgers. So <laughs> it's literally like super exciting um, to, to be talking to some other uh, Rutgers alum because they're always all doing amazing, amazing things. Mm-hmm. But um, to start, I think we are going to do a little bit of our favorite food science uh, talk. And science. today... We're going to focus on our favorite summertime foods, so something a little bit seasonal as we bring in the last weekend of summer. Um, So, Joey, do you want to kick us off? What is your favorite summertime food? So, I have a couple favorite summertime foods. Nice. I I think of it two ways. I think the first thing is like a backyard barbecue. Yes. Like a a bacon cheeseburger or corn on the Yeah. That kind of thing. But yeah. the other thing I also associate with, with summer food uh, is definitely like the boardwalk, like Point Pleasant. Yes. So there's this place called uh, Core Brothers Ice Cream or Custard. Mm. It's like it's known for the orange, vanilla, soft serve swirl. Mm. And like the sugar cone, nice. super good. <gasps> Where's that? Great. Where's that? I think there are almost all. The Jersey Shore boardwalks, like Seaside, yeah. Wildwood. Yeah. Yeah. Are they in AC? I don't think I've seen them. I don't think they're in AC. Hmm. I'm going to have to check. It <laughs> <They> might be. <laughs> I feel like now you have a mission, Shakira. I know. I got to find them. I got to find them. <laughs> and also those giant pizza slices. Ah. Enormous nice. ones. Yeah. Yeah. We got, you got to fold it. Like... <laughs> yeah yeah those are good those are good those, those are awesome joy i think those are all like a hundred percent um indicative of summer what about you shakira yeah well pizza is now bringing back memories of the last last episode right we talked yeah. about pizza a lot pizza. summertime foods i'm gonna have to go with ice cream <laughs> i just had ice cream yesterday and i love going to you know, the little neighborhood um, ice cream shops that are very seasonal and only open during yeah. the summer because yeah. they always have the most interesting flavors. And I just like trying out all the different ones. <laughs> so I had yesterday my, one of my favorites, Fatu, which is the um, Mississippi Mud. Which yes. <laughs> I feel like every time I go there, I'm like, okay, I want to try new ones. But I always and- want to see how Mississippi like maybe Mississippi mud and a new one, right? <laughs> so, so I had the Mississippi mud. So just so you know, so that is, um, what is it? 
It's chocolate coffee ice cream. Oh my gosh. Great. With um, like little chocolate pieces. Um, it has walnuts. Um, what else does it have in there? Um, little like cake pieces as well. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, super. So I had that and I tried um, another new, a new one. It's butter. What was it called? Butterscotch or something like that. So it was like hey. butter baked ice cream with this, you know, those little butterscotch candies. Yeah. There's little like oval pieces of butter. Yeah. like, I guess they make it specifically for, the for ice cream because it's nice and smooth. Yeah, yes. it was like it was so good. I was like, oh my god, and it's like you know melting in your <laughs> mouth, and so that was actually really, really good. So that was a nice combo. Excellent. Yes. Oh, that's super. We recently got a um, gelato shop which opened up in town, which has also been like super fabulous. Um, so I've definitely been enjoying that. But I think my all-time favorite summer food has to be iced coffee, which it was mm. is a dream food, but whatever, <laughs> because. Is literally, you know, what I want just all the time, nonstop. And um, I usually just make it at home to save a little bit of money. But I do love to get like an iced caramel macchiato. Mm -hmm. That's totally, you know, like my 100% go to. Yeah. So good. good. How do you make it it at home? Like, what do you put in? uh, at home, I'm, I'm kind of boring. I usually have kind of like a non-dairy milk, mm-hmm. you know, and then I do the ice and then I have a really nice um, espresso machine and I, I just like throw some espresso in there. Nice. It's good. But recently, um, we got a caramel sauce somehow. So I've been like throwing caramel in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I want to be like luxurious, that's what I do. And yeah. I also um, learned how to do like a little like whip topping with like um like from scratch with mm-hmm. like heavy cream so sometimes mm, I also yeah. go for that <laughs> yeah. yeah and that is just brings it to like you know another level which is just super fabulous but um it's, iced coffee um, do you like just... the cold the, like cold brew with the cold brew? I do like cold, cold, cold brew mm-hmm. I do like cold brew and our local coffee shop has an amazing cold brew which is also very very good mm. Um, and I recently had like a pistachio latte, which was oh. phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Very yeah very so yeah, but it was very good. It's, it's definitely on the sweeter side of coffee. So for mm. people who maybe like want more of like the, coffee. I guess like authentic coffee taste, like the rich, like bitterness, bitterness. you know, that might not be what, what you would go for. But for me, I'm just like mm, sugar. <laughs> so, <laughs> it works for me. Yeah. I wouldn't think of pistachio as like overly sweet but i guess no yeah it must be you know it it must be i don't know if they use like a pistachio milk or like a syrup or like how they got the flavor in there but i think whatever whatever it is they're using to give the flavor is is what i'm guessing brings out like the sweetness Mm -hmm. um yeah but it was good it was good i i definitely still enjoyed it so Mm -hmm. love it now we need to have a barbecue summer barbecue with iced coffee and ice cream right (laughs) round out the summer (laughs) i like that idea i love it (laughs) so let's jump in now um, to our interview with joey so um joey you currently work as a scientist uh focusing on molecular pathology Mm -hmm. in drug discovery and development for janssen which is the main pharmaceutical division of johnson and johnson um and you've been with the company for a little over two and a half is it is it about maybe three years now it'll be three years in october okay very nice almost three years very nice 
Okay, nice. Good. Itself is kind of scary, but <laughs> yeah, feel, it went super, super, super quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, maybe that's also, you know, like a good sign that you're enjoying, you know, what you do, mm-hmm. which I think is also right a plus to it. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you graduated in 2011 from Boston College mm-hmm. with a degree in biochemistry. And then you did your master's program um, in biomedical forensic sciences. And I remember when I found this out, I was like, so jealous. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, I didn't even was a thing. So definitely you've been accomplishing all of the things. Um, as I mentioned previously, you did your PhD at Rutgers, whereas um, also where I did my PhD and Shakira did her um, postdoc. And at Rutgers, you focused on molecular biology, genetics, and cancer. Yeah. You defended in 2019. Um, and then you stayed for a little while to do a postdoc mm-hmm. before moving on to Janssen. So Long intro, but you're definitely um, well on your way, I think, to an amazing career. And we're really excited to learn about, you know, like, I feel like you're very early stages. So what you've seen, you know, like, as you've transitioned, what you've learned, like, kind of what your experience has been, I think it's going to be so interesting to our audience. Mm -hmm. So let's start from the beginning. Um, So you're a scientist at Janssen. Uh, What does your research focus on? So the main thing we do, so... At one point, we were called experimental pathology, but now it's just molecular pathology. Uh, so when okay. people normally think of pathology, they think of disease mm-hmm. or you know something, some sort of pathological problem. Mm-hmm. So normally, you would say pathologists would look at tissue and make some sort of mm-hmm. assessment. So that's basically what our group does. We're, we're actually part – we're in Springhouse, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. but we're part of a larger uh, molecular pathology group that also has people in La Jolla, California – and uh, Birsa, Belgium. Hmm. So we're all part of the same team wow. uh, and we interact, you know, weekly, remotely. So, wow. So in terms of experimental pathology, we use, you know, the most common techniques like IHC, which is immunohistochemistry and in situ mm-hmm. hybridization to look at protein and mRNA levels within mm-hmm. tissue samples. So this can be uh, clinical samples. This can be non-clinical samples such as, um, you know, mice or rats or monkeys, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and the main thing that we do is we use these tools to assist in the drug development process rather mm-hmm. than for disease diagnosis, as like I said, it's most commonly associated with pathology techniques. Uh, so a good example of that is if our company has a new drug target, you know, a specific protein that we want to create a drug against or an antibody against, uh, the first thing that people want to know is what are the expression levels in all various mm-hmm. tissues. Uh, so we can use the ish technique to look at the mRNA levels, and we can mm-hmm. use the IHC to look at the protein levels. Mm-hmm. And the most common, you know, techniques that I use in grad school for that were, you know, Western blot and uh, qPCR. But the thing mm-hmm. with those it looks at an average of the sample, right? So you're taking all the cells or all the tissue, homogenizing it and looking at the average expression level. Right. Whereas these techniques, you can see individual cells within the tissue. Mm. Uh, and that becomes, you know, quite important for, for drug design. Right. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, so what major questions are you trying to answer with your research? Uh, so, a lot of a lot of the drugs that our company makes are monoclonal antibodies. Mm-hmm. So obviously they make those specific to a certain target protein. And what we can often do with IHC is use the candidate drugs, the candidate antibodies as an IHC reagent 
you know, incubate that in tissues. And then we can look at the specificity and the, you know, the sensitivity of these lead uh, antibodies and how well or not well they can bind and select the target of interest. Hmm. So that's a big portion of our work. Um, we also do these assays for safety assessment and risk assessment mm-hmm. to determine like, okay, so you want to just say you want to target this, you know, gene X in breast cancer, but then we also see it's in the liver. It's very highly expressed in the liver. Mm-hmm. Is this going to, this drug going to also target normal liver cells and cause some sort of adverse event? Mm. So Interesting. So it's like the quality branch of drug development. Yes. Way. We're, yeah. we're on the cusp of discovery and safety, non-clinical safety, mm, yeah. animal species. Yeah. So it's still in the, you know, for a lot of our work, we're still in the target assessment phase, the lead selection phase, mm-hmm. the relatively early uh, phases of the process. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Got it. Cool. Very nice. Um, and can you share any of the discoveries you've made recently um, in your work? Uh, <laughs> oh, you're asking, <laughs> you're asking me to give, give away secrets about to, about to have a proprietary. <laughs> I can't share specifics, but what I can share is that we're expanding our horizons into different disease areas. So one example, mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of work with retinal diseases, like macular degeneration, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I knew nothing about. Uh, hmm. before this job. And it's been super, super interesting for all of us together to learn the different layers of the retina, you know, what cells should have what and what does. Mm. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then I can imagine, um, I guess like, you know, every project, is there kind of like something new for you to learn? You know, if it's like a different disease, a different, um, maybe, you know, like experimental animal, a different technique. Definitely. And the the beauty of this job is that I get to work on tons of different programs. So I wasn't hired for expertise in one specific disease or one specific, you know, uh, signaling pathway. I work on, we work on everything. So, you know, we're not experts in one particular thing. We kind of just do what we do well and we can give assistance Mm -hmm. to all these different people, all these different programs, all these different modalities. So at a company as big as Janssen, we have tons of different, you know, mechanisms of action for the drugs we have all these different modalities um so there's lots of stuff to to learn and participate in so it's been great yeah that's really cool Mm -hmm. i think that's uh one of the things i really miss about um not being in the lab it's like you know there's always so many different directions that your work can go Mm -hmm. and so many different things that you can like learn i think it's always nice um to kind of like have that like constant you know like exploration of something new around the corner Mm -hmm. So uh, what do you love about what you do in addition to like learning new things all the time, constantly and being involved in, you know, like many different projects? So with that, you get to meet and, and interact with lots of different people. Mm-hmm. So uh, at Janssen, each program has their own like leadership team mm-hmm. in all the different divisions. Like, um, so we have an immunology division, we have an oncology division, we have a neuroscience division. And there's all different programs within each of those. And we kind of interact with a lot of them. So you meet new people. Uh, you're constantly talking to new colleagues, learning new things from them. So it's not kind of – it's a very dynamic um, and interactive environment, which I really like. Cool. Uh, and we do have you know, lots of different social activities, which kind of took a little bit of a hiatus because of COVID. Yeah. But they're starting yeah. to start up again, so that's good too. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's nice. That's nice. And that builds like good rapport, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the team and, and everything. So I think that's always really nice. The, the ladies awesome. they've been doing, they do these different things to like, you know, make everybody happy. And mm-hmm. they put, they had a live band in the cafeteria. And I just, oh, wow. I just thought it was funny because I just wasn't expecting it. I'm walking down towards lunch and I'm like, I hear an electric guitar. <laughs> 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 The drum. Not what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. That's cool. That's cool. Um, how do you compare working as a scientist for a pharmaceutical company to working as a um, scientist in academia? Mm-hmm. So, like, what are kind of like the pros and cons of each based on your experience? So, I think the, an obvious pro is the I don't want to say unlimited, but it, it can seem unlimited mm-hmm. at times, but a very large budget. i think most people who ever did a phd um or any kind of participation research in academic setting knows that you kind of revolve your life basically around your grant budget your just your lab budget Mm -hmm. um for some smaller labs you're dictated by your you know the type of experiments you do and the full direction of your research is dictated by your funding availability and that can be unfortunately quite restricting to people who do have, you know, great ideas or their results are leading them in a very interesting direction, but they don't have Mm -hmm. the means to to follow that. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference in industry is, you know, I guess a con could be that you don't have the freedom of just discovering something interesting and and exploring it. You Mm -hmm. have to kind of go in the guidance of management. Right. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, you're not looking for basic science details. You're looking to develop drugs. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I've always, you know, I've always yeah. been told, don't do, don't do experiments for the sake of doing them. Everything has to have meaning. Everything has to have value. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, an extremely good piece of advice. But in, mm-hmm. I remember in my PhD, I was always like, I need to do as many experiments as possible. I just need data, data, data. <laughs> eventually i'll find something that will work and i will go from there <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i mean i guess it is just like a different mindset right like i don't even know if i would consider them like cons it's almost just like one mindset yeah. versus another right? right and ultimately they're both part of like the research ecosystem it's just they have like different goals i guess you could say and maybe like missions you know involved with each one yes. um but at the end of the day they they all help us you know as people um in terms of i guess you know what whatever it is like finding out what causes new diseases how to treat new diseases how to prevent new diseases you know learning about the way the body the body functions so yeah and I think cool. another another pro I would say would be that, I mean, there's there's definitely pressure for for certain things, but you don't have that pressure to like, all right, this is my hypothesis. I have, you know, all these things that are showing this is in line with my hypothesis, and I have to do this last experiment because reviewer two wants it, and it's just not <laughs> working. <laughs> and I can't get the paper published until this certain technique, this certain experiment works. Oh. and you just get to like a roadblock and you just can't get around it whereas yeah. in industry if things aren't working you have the the means and the you know the funds to be able to i don't know jump the roadblock much quicker or yeah or not necessarily even worry about it be like okay this isn't working this is a dead end onto this yeah something completely separate and yeah yeah, yeah. But in academics, you you know, you're in your little niche, you're in your little area of expertise, 
and yet kind of had to stick with it for to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And I could just think yeah. about all the times that I was, you know, trying to get this mutant construct and like I would sequence it and it would be perfect except for two bases. And then I have to start it all over again. Whereas yep. at, a, at a biotech or a pharma company, you just buy it. Yep. Other company makes <laughs> it and you buy it. Mm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, we've all been there in the trenches yeah. with yeah. the Western block that doesn't want to work. <laughs> PCR that's just like always messing up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. But that builds resilience, yeah. right? <laughs> and even like even like doing a Western blot industry, they have, you know, the precast gels, the oh. seven minute transfer apparatus. Oh my gosh. Which I'm like, mine was an hour, like at least an hour and a half, two hours in the cold room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you didn't have to make up all those special buffers all the time, Joey? <laughs> the worst. There's the person oh my God. There's the person that comes in and fills the pipettes in the rack when they're empty. Like luxury. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, in my mind, it's like, you know, like when you're a kid, it's like the house that has cable versus like your house that doesn't. It's like, that's like, you know, <laughs> the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> love that. So um, how did you transition from academia to industry? Um, and I guess even to preface that a little bit more, was this kind of something that you always had in mind as part of your career journey? Or did you kind of just fall into it? Like, how did you um, first get started in looking at industry? I guess, I don't know, to start seriously looking was probably through the iJobs program at Rucker. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because and, and also that was also good because they can you know so the iJobs program focuses on you know non traditional career opportunities for for PhD scientists. Mm-hmm. I would consider industry still traditional, but mm-hmm. it was you know non traditional was like the um, the patent law and the medical writing those kind of things. But in their mm-hmm. mind, anything that's not a faculty position is you know non traditional PhD. Um, yeah. Op- opportunities and that's kind of what started to look all that you know a panel with people from bristol myers squibb jansen pfizer and having a similar discussions to this like talking about their experience their transition from grad school and the you know the myths and the truths about mm-hmm. you know bench work or any kind of work in industry versus uh, mm-hmm. academics and so that's kind of where you know i guess where it got serious because everybody yeah. you know especially living in new jersey i grew up in new jersey and even going to school in Boston, there's just so many pharma companies and biotech companies mm-hmm. that we've just always been exposed to them. Yeah. We'd yeah. always drive by like, yeah. oh, Bristol Myers Squibb. And you just like, oh, that's a pharma company. Mm-hmm. So the thought was always in my mind of, oh, you know, you can become a scientist and, and go to a place like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Was there anything that surprised you um, when you transitioned? And you mentioned the iJobs program is something that was um, really fundamental in helping you. Like, was there anything else that also helped you along the way? Uh, I think a surprise, honestly, a big surprise was that I went, it was either during my interview or during one of my first days, I was talking to one of, my, I think my boss's boss in his office. And he mm-hmm. said to me, um, okay, so we're going to start to get you trained on this. And I don't expect you to have any kind of meaningful data for at least a year. Wow. And, and I was always told to, through these programs and through just my assumptions was that the pharma industry is a machine. They hire you. Yeah. You can do the skill. They want you from day one to produce. Right. And that, at yeah. least in my experience, that hasn't 
necessarily been the case. They want you to produce good and meaningful data, not just data. Interesting. Yeah. And then also, um, I know that my boss said he he part part of why I was hired was because I didn't have I had the background and the and the the knowledge for the area, but I didn't have the specific experience with the certain skill sets, like the IT okay. and the issues. I wanted someone that could understand it and could work through it, but never did it before because I want I want them to be trained in the way that we do it. Oh, yeah. nice, interesting. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That so you got the job for not having the skills that they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> to go from that, I also was hired because I, I also provide general molecular biology support. So I do. I okay. does the PCRs. I'm the person that does the cell culture. Uh, mm. I do all the RNA analysis, like the the in silico database RNA seq analysis. I do, you know, probe design for certain assays. I assist with that. Yeah. So that's where my experience comes cool. in. <laughs> Very nice. Cool, cool. Very nice. Uh, Shakira, do you have any additional questions? Yeah. So some very interesting stuff that I just learned about working in Pharma Joey that I didn't know. <laughs> so very cool. So you mentioned um, that you guys sort of, you can work on all kinds of different things. Mm. And sometimes the entire team, like no one has expertise in something and you all sort of have to learn it. Mm-hmm. How do you guys accomplish that as a team? Do you have like journal clubs and lab meetings and things to get everyone on the same page? Or like, how is that? Done? Yeah. So, we don't have any formal uh, meetings of that kind, but we definitely just have casual chats and someone will send a paper out and say, Hey, look, I just found this. This is probably what we need to know. Uh, Mm -hmm. But also it's like, so do you remember in school when we would, you know, our lab would collaborate with another lab and you'd have this big interaction. And so Mm -hmm. working for pharma is like one gigantic collaboration. Mm. So like nothing is really anyone's own thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone Mm -hmm. just puts their own, you know, their expertise or their assistance into one aspect of the project. Um, So then when you finally see the final data packaged together, there's usually like, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of names on the Mm. acknowledgements. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very nice. Okay. So Joey, thank you so much for telling us about your work. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting to hear. Thank you. Okay. So we'd like to say thank you to our listeners for supporting the podcast If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share. To learn more about our guest journey, be sure to listen to the next journey episode. And you can reach out to us by email at lovesciencepodcast at gmail.com. Please send any questions, comments about the show, or suggestions for guests that you'd like to hear on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.